This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. I just love that music. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Dojo Live. Today is Wednesday, May 4th, 2022, in case you forgot the year. This is Tulio Sergusa, broadcasting from Southern California. And joining me is America Guerrero from Mexico. Hey, everybody. America. She's co-hosting with me today. And our guest is Morgan Howell, who's the founder and CTO at Stock Alarm. He is a little north of uh, where I am in Salsalito, California. Welcome to the show, Morgan. Good to Welcome. have you. Yeah, stoked to be on. All right. So today we're going to talk about um, democratizing financial markets. But before we go into the topic of conversation and see what question we're going to answer, we promise that it's going to be an interesting show. But before we do that, let's get to know our guests. So, uh, Morgan, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Once again, welcome to the show. Sure thing. Well, I'm uh, relatively new to California. I've uh, been out here for about four years now. Um, originally from a small town out in North Carolina. Um, have had sort of uh, a lot of different jobs after college um, and before starting my own gig. Um, I guess starting with, with college, I graduated from UNC. So I'm happy to call myself a Tar Heel. Um, <laughs> and uh, after, after UNC, I joined Facebook, um, moving from North Carolina out, out to California. Um, at Facebook, I mostly worked on payment products. Um, so that included payments in Messenger, as well as a lot of uh, infrastructure-related uh, product teams um, that went around uh, and integrated banks for order management solutions and, and things of that nature. Um, then I pivoted after uh, three years to uh, an ed tech startup. Um, sort of helping uh, build interactive courses and, and sort of really dig into to the learning process. And um, after that, I actually chose to jump on to what was a former side project uh, full-time, Stock Alarm. And uh, since January, I've been uh, working there as the CTO. Um, and, and we've really been sort of uh, diving into a, a range of features just to support everyday traders and in all the forms we can. Um, how old are you? <laughs> Yeah, so so I guess uh, you know maybe one of the one of the more uh, young uh, audience uh, members here, but uh, tw twenty six. That's impressive. Thank you. Very impressive. We we've had a few young uh, CEOs and CTOs on here too, but you know age is just a number. So yes, tell us a little bit more about Stock Alarm. You you went into it a little bit. Like we're curious as to what was the ha ha moment that was like we should do this, and what is yeah, it that sure. you got to do today. Yeah, yeah so, sure. so I would say it all um, came really uh, from uh, sort of a solving a personal problem. Uh, when I was uh, sort of back in North Carolina, um, you know, I, I sort of uh, financially supported myself throughout college and after. And I found trading to be a great means to, uh, you know, have side income while I was, you know, um, primarily focusing on studying. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily happy with the tool set available on, you know, uh, sort of like markets today. In the sense that, um, you know, uh, for instance, whenever I would sort of wake up early in the morning or go go uh, out to the West Coast to live, everything was sort of, you know, shifted back by three hours. And so um, I found cases where I would want to uh, sort of be woken up in, in the morning um, due to something interesting happen, happening in the market. So the initial idea was, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a sort of alarm clock that you could set up to 
you know, uh, trigger through all these sort of custom means, whether that's through like a price target, a uh, percent change. And, and that's where the idea was born. And although at first I didn't necessarily think it would gain traction, it was just sort of solving that that sort of personal um, problem. Um, I ended up throwing it out there and, and now we have over 100,000 users on the platform that um, get, get a lot of the same value and, and now um, take benefit in other features as well. Interesting. Okay. I'm, I want to learn some more. I'm curious if it's day traders or actual institutional trainers. Let's go and dig into all that. But before we do, let's introduce the topic and see what question we're answering today. America, if you could kick that off. Yeah, sure. So the question is why it is important to make traditional high-tech high products accessible to folks from all backgrounds. And this is related with democratizing, right? Why this word? Why this topic? Why is it relevant for today? Yeah, so I, I think uh, traditionally, if you look at uh, who has benefited from um, all the returns of, of Wall Street, um, traditionally, it's been sort of the institutional investors that, that leverage high-tech tools. Um, you know, especially in like fields like quantitative trading, but also in, you know, sort of, um, you know, environments with with more standard uh, institutional traders, you know, they, they use tools like the Bloomberg terminal, which is $25,000 a year per user, or, you know, take techniques like algorithmic trading to scalp pennies and make many, many trades in, in a matter of, you know, nanoseconds to milliseconds. And all those things have provided, you know, great economic benefit, but only to the select few that can either afford, you know, the tools or, or in the know. And so, you know, uh, sort of given my background of uh, finding social mobility in the market, but also not having access to those tools, um, you know, I, I think it's really important that we bridge the gap, so to speak, and we can offer um, a lot of the tools that have benefited that select group to to everyone um, in a way that can be easily understood. And I think that's important, especially recently, because, you know, in 2020, um, you know, around the time of the GMC and, and sort of AMC hype, um, the, the sort of volume of uh, retail investors overtook um, both the, the trading volume of institutional uh, investors and, and sort of quantitative uh, hedge funds and things like that as well. And so given that, uh, you know, more and more people are getting into the market um, I, I, I think, you know, it's time to even the playing field with the wolves of Wall Street that are, you know, maybe used to taking advantage of the unknown um, so that, you know, that social mobility can can be more accessible for, for a large group. Very interesting. And not too long ago, we had a company that was talking about uh, uh, video spatial data. You know, a lot of investors also have access to things like how much uh, traffic is in the parking lots of retailers that ties into their projection for the quarter so they can determine whether their projection is going to be on or off. Uh, and they're making that accessible to the public, to anyone who wants it, which was something I didn't even know that Wall Street was doing. They've got all these little secret sauce things they've been doing for years. So this is available now let's call it the the power of the uh, institutional traders available at the hands of whom? Are these day traders, people who are just doing this themselves, uh, hobby traders or professionals who are independent? Can you break it down a little bit in terms of who is the 100,000 customers? Who are they? Yeah, sure. So, so um, you know, in, in my mind, uh, this is not for uh, sort of the folks that um, have uh, sort of the carved out time throughout the entire day to, to stay sort of stuck on their portfolio, right? And, and just like uh, continue monitoring, um, like, 
when I think of uh, attempting to take these sort of uh, tools that uh, allow real-time alerting and, and more sophistication with uh, sort of easier uh, sort of uh, setup, um, I, I imagine folks that are, uh, you know, maybe a bit earlier in, in sort of like their, their trading career um, and may have a full-time job, um, but whether, um, you know, they, they are unable to uh, constantly monitor due to other responsibilities or, or the fact that, um, you know, they, they uh, may have a, a different working schedule. Maybe, maybe they're not even in the U.S. Um, there, there are uh, sort of tools in my mind that, that are needed to save uh, back that time or win back that time. Um, and and uh, these, these uh, sort of, I would call them more amateur retail traders um, that maybe entered the market recently through well-designed tools like Robinhood and others, um, they, they do need a path to learn um, about uh, sort of all the ways that one can benefit from both, uh, you know, researching stocks, sourcing stocks and, and determining when to exit or enter a position. And, and in my mind, um, by using sort of, you know, notifications at first, but then more advanced uh, triggers such as automated trading, um, we can start to ladder up uh, the, these traders that are working professionals, not necessarily in finance, but um, are interested in, in benefiting from the stock market and having a path to learn uh, in a way that doesn't cost them a lot of money. So I just want to go back a little. Thank you for that. I just want to go back a little bit, maybe blow out this picture a little bit. So there's been a trend in many markets where people have been turned into employees of the company. Let's call it what it is. Self-service basically is making everyone an employee of the company. Uh, in financial markets, you had to go to a trader to be able to do trades and things of that sort, right? Um, you didn't have the tools. You didn't have the technology. Then by basically democratizing trading where you made it accessible for an app for anyone, you don't even have to have a Series 7 or 6 or be licensed. You can buy and trade and sell stuff. Kind of dangerous initially without any intelligence behind it for anyone who was learning but nonetheless, that technology has advanced a lot. And there are some tools in there to help day traders make smarter decisions. But what I'm hearing is this takes it to another level. Like, you know, this is more like adding another layer of intelligence for putting more power in the actual trader's hand. Because instead of being at the mercy of the platform you're using who decides this is a good idea, and then you do your own analysis, this gives you another layer of, you know, quantitative and perhaps even AI, if you guys are using that. Is that a fair assessment um, on, on how people are using this? How is, how is this enhancing what they're already doing with these existing platforms? And in some ways, are these existing platforms potential partners who could like license this as well? Totally. So, so when I think of existing platforms that, that have had uh, highest impact on the same target audience, of uh, sort of, um, you know, uh, retail traders that, that might not have that much experience. I, I think to Robinhood, I, I, I think back to, um, you know, robo uh, investing apps uh, and, and things of that nature that, that make trading easier. Uh, you know, that could be through a well-designed UI, um, like in sort of Robinhood's case, where it's really easy to set yourself up with a brokerage and, and begin trading, um, not, not as many barriers to entry, as well as things like images that explain you know, what an options contract is so that um, as someone is sort of, you know, um, executing an order, um, they understand uh, sort of the, the basics of the strategy. And 
Um, that that's all great, um, but but as we know, um, you know, trading can be risky. Uh, there can be many factors that that come into play. Um, not only from like ensuring that the fundamentals of the stock that you invest in are are good, um, but also um, that uh, you are caught up to date with everything that may be happening, whether that's you know a new news article, a drop in sentiment. Um, you know, whether that is like a huge spike in like trading volume for that stock or um, huge uh, sort of just simple price increase. And so while I think, uh, you know, there, there will always be the power of the brokerages and enabling people to uh, sort of buy and sell stocks, um, there's a whole nother space, whole nother layer here that should inform uh, and educate um, how users both react uh, to, to changes in the market and, and source and research to um, you know, uh, I would say um, build confidence and not just the fundamentals I mentioned, but also the technicals. Um, and, and so I, I, I believe that uh, stock learn sort of plays in that space. So um, while uh, we are working with the sort of partnership integration to start executing trades soon, um, our, I would say our secret sauce is um, in, in a, a very accessible, uh, cheap way, uh, allowing folks to uh, both research and source through, uh, you know, being able to scan markets um, for, for all the sort of factors they may be looking for, which is something not offered on just these uh, sort of like traditional uh, brokerage apps, um, as well as taking that a step further. Once you've sourced, once you've, you know, you're either holding a stock or uh, thinking about entering one, um, getting sort of real time alerts, whether that's through text, email, uh, phone call, um, all, all things that um, sort of support your tr trading flow, like a, you know, expensive Bloomberg sort of terminal subscription would be, but in your pocket, easy to use, easy to understand. And, you know, the thing about um, having an emphasis and sort of research, uh, you know, education, th these real-time uh, notifications is, um, you know, you're not losing massive amounts of money on trades before, um, you know, you, you can start to learn. So, uh, you know, if, if you want to, uh, if you have a theory, if you uh, want to set up a strategy, whether that's uh, on Stock Alarm creating a new scanner or creating new alarms, um, you can begin to test your hypothesis, hypotheses, have a hypothesis-driven approach about um, a particular stock, and then see, you know, if that actually comes to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, and and you know, there are a lot of platforms like MarketWatch that are having sort of like virtual uh, sort of markets where you can begin experimenting. Um, and uh, while while uh, you know we we've considered that, um, there is some sort of uh, separation. Uh, with playing with uh, sort of funny money, you know, virtual currency and, and your actual money. And um, with, with Stock Alarm, we're, we're uh, both, you know, while we have the emphasis in research, um, as I mentioned, we are starting to uh, connect directly with uh, brokerages to execute trades. And um, we, we believe that that um, sort of path to, you know, um, being able to identify uh, stocks and, and then execute trades uh, ladders folks up in a more practical way um, that, than um, necessarily, you know, uh, just uh, always uh, sort of reading the pure literature or just going and trading with with fake currency. So it's a, it's a bit of a mix of both because you're, you're both learning, uh, reading, setting alerts. Um, but but then, uh, you know, that allows you to uh, see like how fast the market moves and, and learn things quickly. Great. Um, I have a question for you. Um, how do you deal with the SEC regulations as it relates to making recommendations? How is it working? Yeah, sure. So in, in terms of regulations, um, 
there are uh, sort of a, a few things that we have to consider, um, you know, when we're uh, sort of integrating with, uh, for instance, like brokerages and we want to pull after hours data, uh, we have to have something called a UTP authorization. Um, mm -hmm. So our, our, our company was able to uh, secure that about six months um, after we released the MVP. Um, and, and so there are other small things like, you know, uh, during extended hours, we need to show like an icon that we're 15 minutes delayed because uh, during extended hours, volume could be really low. There could be like high bid ask spread. Um, and, you know, I would say our approach uh, so far, since we're really trying to focus on, um, you know, making infrastructure tools that are already out there accessible to, to more people, um, we really try to uh, bundle, uh, I would say, other providers and services that already um, really take care of the SEC regulations for us. So um, when I mentioned we were connecting directly with brokerages, we're, we're actually using um, a, a company that um, is sort of serving as a wrapper to, you know, Fidelity, IB, Robinhood, all, all the big brokerages. And luckily they get to uh, sort of worry about all, all the liability uh, with, with regards to um, how that uh, is executed with, with uh, the SEC and such. Um, and uh, we, we are at, at the foremost, um, you know, a, a sort of research tool. Um, and uh, I, I would say when it comes to uh, the, the SEC, um, luckily, you know, we don't necessarily need any uh, sort of deep compliance with uh, payments or, or um, you know, being able to uh, ensure that uh, we're, we're uh, actually closing, uh, you know, so someone's account in the proper way because, um, as I mentioned, uh, we're sort of able to, uh, you know, mix those providers, show some disclaimers and, and uh, be in a position that, that minimizes liability on our side. Right. You know, you said something interesting. You, you did spend a little time in an ed tech company. And yep. as I'm listening to you, I started thinking, what's the hurdle? This is the design thinking head coming on, right? What's the hurdle for daytime traders or people who want to do more of it and i kept thinking the hurdle is is not having the right education up front number two i would love to be able to give uh the ability to do mock-up trades and just play around to see how some of these things come together and give yourself maybe a couple of months to see how you would have done making certain uh tools uh, use of certain tools and then like, oh, okay, I trust myself enough that I've got this dialed in right to go ahead and play with real money, right? Is that something that that could become available with this kind of thing? In other words, if I use this, can I use it in mock-up scenarios or do I have to play right away with real money? How does that come into the picture? Yeah, so, so I may not have uh, clarified um, as much as I should have when I was uh, sort of mentioning how uh, market watch offers sort of virtual markets and, and we're deciding not to take that approach now. But in my mind, uh, you can already do that today effectively on the platform because, uh, you know, sort of going back to the, the MVP, the core value prop for, for why I uh, sort of said to build this uh, and the initial set of features. Um, it, it's really around going in with a hypothesis, setting the trigger for that hypothesis and then um, in real time with, you know, real data uh, coming in from the market, um, seeing if it triggers or not. Um, and so, you know, uh, that being said, let's say, uh, you know, you have a hypothesis that a uh, stock uh, will, will increase in price 
um, if uh, sort of the the uh, volume spikes, if there's a recent volume spike. So you can go set a trigger, um, have that hypothesis. And, you know, if uh, you get that uh, alert, um, then you, you could prove your hypothesis uh, or, or disprove it. Right. And so um, while, uh, you know, that means we're, we're not necessarily taking the approach of, you know, going and buying a stock with that virtual currency and then seeing what your overall portfolio is, um, it does uh, make things, um, you know, where you're not, you're, you're building a good relationship, you're, you're building a healthier relationship, I would say, with uh, how um, you, you sort of uh, react to, um, you know, the, the market uh, moves. Um, that, that you've sort of set up and, and sort of using that research. And reason being is because if you're playing around with virtual currency for too long, you might uh, start a, start building a lot of confidence. And then uh, when you translate that over to real currency, um, you might be surprised to see that that uh, you're way more emotional than than you originally in, intended or, or felt like when, when you were trading virtual currency. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think like emotions can be one of the, uh, sort of uh, deadliest things in, in um, you know, the markets and, and retail trading, because if you are panic selling with everyone else, uh, sometimes that can be the best time to buy when people are getting scared and uh, vice versa, when, when people are getting too greedy and, and you know, a stock is uh, sort of being overbought, um, you, you don't want to get FOMO, uh, you, you want to be able to uh, be patient. And so I think by, you know, not building false confidence in virtual currencies, rather having like deeper integration with uh, sort of, you know, how you research, how, how you're, you know, taking a hypothesis driven approach in the markets, and then, you know, directly connecting that to real money um, might be a more natural path to form the right behaviors, um, right. as opposed to uh, going on market watch, you know, buying a, a thousand shares of that virtual currency, feeling real good, and then uh, dumping your whole bank account in, in something to, to YOLO. Yeah, playing Monopoly doesn't necessarily guarantee you're going to be a real estate tycoon if you're good at Monopoly. <laughs> yep, yeah, you have to focus on first principles, focus on the fundamentals, um, right. test it with, you know, a small, small amount of real money. And, um, you know, that's at least what I'm thinking. Maybe that's a better path to uh, starting to build the, the correct habits. Great. And about creating habits, how do you, let's talk about features. How do you validate features or do you have a super, a super user group or what could you share with us? Yeah. So most of our features are actually uh, directly from customer requests. Um, So, so, um, you know, when uh, we we originally released the uh, very first uh, version of the product, it was just on iOS, you could only set upper and lower limits, um, similar to like limit order um, with, with all those uh, certain notification options. But um, since we threw it out there and, and um, folks started using it, we, we added Android and web. Um, we've had, uh, you know, many regular users that uh, just provide feedback on new trigger types they want, new, new um, sort of, uh, you know, f- feedback points that they may have. And a lot of places in the app where you can do that, you can uh, do what we call rage shake the app um, and give direct feedback or when you're setting an alarm, there's a sort of dedicated button for, for requesting a new one. And essentially what we've done is, is we've taken all that, uh, ranked and sorted it, um, tried to make sure, you know, the top candidates align with our, our larger um, sort of like uh, product strategy of, of trying to, um, you know, re- reach the most people with the most impactful tools and such. Um, and, and, you know, from that, uh, there have been uh, sort of a, you know, the full gamut of, of features that we've built. So um, just to name a few, um, you know, we, we've uh, at this point released uh, 80 uh, different trigger types. Um, so that might relate to 
you know, MACD RSI triggers or, um, you know, m more things like uh, news related and, and sentiment um, related. Um, we've also had uh, sort of a lot of customers that say, hey, I, I wake up uh, in the morning and I, I spend hours just uh, trying to add, um, you know, alarms to many stocks uh, on, you know, some criteria that I'm looking for. And then I just wait, see which one hits. And so, you know, people didn't necessarily, I guess, realize it or ask for it explicitly, but um, that's essentially like uh, doing the manual work for setting up a scanner. So we recently released a stock market scanner and um, that would be more towards the sourcing and, and research side of things. Um, but uh, uh, essentially you can mix and match many filters, um, whether that's, you know, all the stocks below $100 that had a recent 52 week high or, or something in that nature. And um, that allows you to uh, scan all the markets, exchanges of your choice to uh, figure out what you actually want to track. Um, and, and so just being able to automate things so the user can leverage, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of the uh, sort of tools for, for uh, wh whether that's scanning or, or, or related to other things um, gives, you know, users more power. And, and you know, as I mentioned with these uh you know, uh, th these target users usually having like full-time job. It's important that we automate as much as possible, take the load off them. So uh, we could do the monitor and, and research while uh, they, they focus on the fundamentals and, and figuring out um, what, what they should actually enter and exit in. So before we go into understanding the company a little bit more, as we come to the final segment of our conversation today, I'm, you know, you got me thinking. We had a guest last week where we were talking about user experience and customer experience, how certain things are synonymous that have become synonymous. Like you want to search for something and you say, go Google it or, or what have you, right? Xerox used to be synonymous with going to make copies, but they failed to keep up with changes in the marketplace. They didn't democratize printing when the marketplace required it. You know, more people working from home, bubble jet printers, et cetera. And companies like Canon jumped in and literally ate their lunch, right? So they didn't innovate fast enough to keep up with the changing marketplace. The financial service industry has spent billions in creating platforms and solutions. They're software companies, fintech companies that serve these uh, companies very well. Is this an example of that same thing where these companies have been so focused on the institutional investors, but more and more people are saying, I want to trade on my own. Um, and, and then what's to stop them from offering these tools to consumers like you guys are doing? Do you have sort of that differentiation point that says, even if they do, we, we'd have a leg up on them. What's your thought process? Is that something that crosses your mind? Uh, how do you guys think about that? Yeah, so so I think um, you know when when um, I, I'm thinking through the past of like products that have uh, you know either been uh, deprecated because there's there's something more accessible, better out, or or um, you know strides of, of companies um, sort of shifting focus um, to to sort of innovate and not just uh, you know continue to invest on on maybe something that's for the company. Um, you know, I I, I really. Uh, think about sort of like who are they serving and uh, what, you know, mission are they trying to accomplish? And um, when, when you mention um, sort of like the uh, tooling for uh, sort of institutional investors, um, I, I, I imagine, um, you know, tools that I mentioned with super high subscription fees, uh, things that, um, you know, are uh, might require like a software engineer or, or someone with like deep, uh, you know, uh, sort of finance background. And I would say that um, th those uh, things are a bit of a different flavor from 
you know, meeting someone where they are and then laddering up to that place um, in a way that, um, you know, might not expose all the complexities right out of the door, um, but um, allows them uh, to build confidence and, and understand kind of what's what's underneath or uh, sort of at a high level, those those complexities so that they can apply it in a practical way. So I, I think that, um, you know, there there is uh, still no lack of, of you know, um, uh, economic opportunity um, among like, you know, Wall Street to Wall Street and within Wall Street uh, to serve themselves. But, um, you know, I, I would say that, uh, and this is a big pro problem for a lot of like large companies that serve specialized use cases. Um, it, it's uh, going to be, uh, I would say, tougher to pivot from something that's purely yeah. B2B or purely, uh, you know, meant to serve uh, someone that's professional um, to uh, understanding how uh, users, you know, at, at a critical mass um, need to uh, sort of learn, interact, uh, build confidence with that with that tooling. So it, that's an education problem. It's also a mm -hmm. uh, sort of, um, you know, problem with design, like modern design elements and how you interact with like mobile first app or, um, you know, is something as simple as um, being, being able to interact with um, you know, the, the uh, sort of uh, system that you're setting up. Because like a lot of times if you're setting up triggers or, or systems to automate things can get really complicated. A lot of conditions, a lot of numbers, um, a lot of things that need to be explained. And, um, you know, th th there, there is sort of like, uh, in my mind, um, going back to like the problem that I've seen in a lot of companies where um, they, they have a tough time bridging that gap with, okay, we, we've done this well for folks that specialize in it. But now how, how do we sort of, um, you know, rebuild things or take a new approach so that, um, you know, someone with little background can actually understand what they're doing and, and um, begin to engage in that. I, I just personally feel that there's uh, already uh, so much uh, benefit within Wall Street of, of them sort of serving themselves that um, while, you know, they could, you know, uh, start to invest in, uh, you know, uh, simply design tools for, for the masses, um, it, it's going to be a lot harder to make that pivot because yeah. it, it kind of involves a different skill set. Of uh, I think, you, I think uh, you hit the nail in the head where uh, that's the problem with a lot of these uh, large uh, companies is their product was created for you to meet them where they are versus companies that are more nimble and smaller or democratizing services their product is designed to meet the user where they are. So it's a complete opposite approach to the market. And, uh, you know, pivoting from, from meet us and play in our play garden to we'll come play in your play garden is a big deal. It's a big challenge. So we, we totally appreciate that. We're, we're up on time, but we wouldn't uh, want to end the show without talking a little bit about stock alarm. I think America has one or two more questions, and then we'll wrap it up. All right. You're on mute channeling. I'm sorry. So we already talked about education, sharing information, um, sharing with the community. How is this related with the values of your company? I mean, uh, uh, what could you share about a stock alarm culture? How is it look like to work there? How are your employees? What could you share? Yeah, sure. So, I, I would say, um, you know, uh, we wouldn't necessarily uh, be doing justice to our, our mission of, you know, democratizing financial tooling and um, sort of 
uh, even the playing field if we didn't reflect that internally as well. And so some ways that uh, we sort of implement um, the, the culture that, that we're also trying to build in the product is by having a flat hierarchy. So we're, we're not a company that uh, puts a lot of weight and importance in you know, what your title may be or, or how long you've been working at the company. Um, we really like to have uh, sort of you know, an experiment-driven approach that um, sources the ideas from uh, direct user, user feedback. And so what that means is you know, if, if you're a developer, if you're in marketing, um, no, no matter what part of the uh, sort of company you're on, you, you have the freedom to sort of, you know, pitch your own ideas, um, you know, build, build your own experiments and, um, you know, actually uh, ha have a chance to influence the, the roadmap. So um, we're, we're really uh, sort of, I guess, not a fan of the, the waterfall type culture of, of uh, you know, having everything be top down. Um, but but uh, sort of having like, I guess, the, the more grassroots uh, approach um, and along the topic of experimentation, um, you know, we want to make sure what we release is, is valuable and quality to our users. So we use a lot of uh, product insight tooling like Amplify um, and others to make sure that when we release a feature, um, it's actually helping people. Um, and, and we mm. keep a lot of uh, sort of top line metrics to um, build confidence. And, you know, if someone feels strongly about an initiative, supporting mm. that, um, but with uh, sort of statistical significance. Beautiful. Love that. It's also a lot more scalable that way. It's so much work just having people in charge of things, everything, this waterfall top-down approach. It's not totally. scalable, uh, you know, rather than actually taking on every challenge as a project that a number of people can participate to solve. Then, you know, you have collaboration and you also have the agility of not having to wait for one person to make a decision. So kudos to that for you guys. We're strong supporters of that strategy. We need to see more companies doing that. We're up on time. We could keep talking. We've learned a lot today. Thanks for being with us. So if you are a day trader or just someone who's uh, got a side hustle trading and you want to get smarter about how you make decisions uh, and trigger events to uh, increase your portfolio value, check out stock alerts. That's the way to do it. Stock alarm. Sorry, excuse me. Forgive me. Uh, so let's uh, just stay with us as we go off the air in just a second. Again, thank you for being with us, Morgan, who's the founder and CTO at Stock Alarm. Uh, uh, let me ju let's just announce what we got coming up. We have two more shows. Tomorrow, we have a 10 a.m. show. It's our design thinking show. It'll be a one-on-one -on -one show with myself. And uh, I don't have the information readily in front of me. Just uh, here it is with uh, Matthew. Uh, uh, then at noon, we have Matthew Van Berskirk with Hummingbird. That's at 12 o'clock Pacific. And uh, Carlos or Ruben, if you guys could post in the chat who we have at 10 a.m. tomorrow, I'd love to announce it. Otherwise, <laughs> back tomorrow at 10 a.m., for the design thinking show where we explore how you can design better products and services and organizational structures to meet the needs of today. And that's with Anshu Sharma, who is the CEO at Skyflow tomorrow at 10 a.m. See you all back soon. Be safe and don't forget to have some fun. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.